Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Australia on this day. I'm Michael Adams and today we're going back to Monday, the 25th of July, 1910. That was the day that two men whose inventions revolutionised our world met in Sydney. As we heard in the 10th of July episode, Australia's first telephone exchange opened in Melbourne in 1880. 30 years down the line from that, by which stage there were over 30,000 phones nationally and it was possible to make an interstate call from Sydney to Melbourne, Australia was going to get a visit from a man whose name was guaranteed to ring a bell. Of course, I'm talking about Alexander Graham Bell, inventor of the telephone. A small article in the 25th of May 1910 edition of Lismore's Northern Star newspaper was headlined, Aeronautical Experts Coming. That might seem like an egregious editing mistake and one that'd make readers less likely to continue with the article. In fact, it wasn't. Alexander Graham Bell had invented the telephone 34 years earlier, but he'd had little to do with it since. Now, he was deeply concerned with the science and the business of aviation. And as for arousing the interest of readers, planes right then made for better headlines than telephones. Not least because American magician Harry Houdini had just two months earlier made Australia's first controlled powered flight at Digger's Rest in Victoria. Alexander Graham Bell got off the steamer Mercura in Brisbane on the 10th of June 1910. A journalist from the Telegraph secured an interview with him and gave a vivid account of the man responsible for the, quote, greatest of modern conveniences. Dr. Bell, who is now in his 64th year, carries his age well. His massive head, crowned with a wealth of wavy grey hair, his ample beard, his piercing dark brown eyes, which illuminate a particularly genial countenance and fine physique, give him a striking appearance. Alexander Graham Bell was accompanied on this trip by his wife and by his business partner, Frederick Baldwin. Among Mr. Baldwin's aviation achievements, he could claim to have been the first man to make a public flight in a powered flying machine in the United States because the Wright brothers had done their experiments in secret. Alexander Graham Bell had teamed with Baldwin and three other experts to form an aviation experimentation and engineering business. But their number had been reduced by one in September 1908 when US Army Lieutenant Thomas Selfridge was killed in a crash of a machine flown by Orville Wright, earning himself the distinction of being the first passenger to die in a plane accident. While aviation was foremost in Alexander Graham Bell's business thoughts, Australia was actually the first stop on a world trip meant for pleasure and the expansion of his mind. The Telegraph reporter was thrilled that the great man had come down under first. Alexander Graham Bell confessed he had a special interest in the country because two of his maternal uncles had emigrated decades earlier. Quote, 
No doubt they are dead long ago, but I dare say they have descendants, children, and perhaps grandchildren or even great-grandchildren. I must try to discover their whereabouts. Alexander Graham Bell also had another Australian he wanted to enthuse about. Quote, Do you know, by the way, that the incentive to all this rage for aviation came largely from an Australian, a Mr Hargrave, who has done more, probably, than any other single individual living to attract man's attention to the possibilities of aviation? We don't know whether the reporter knew who he was talking about. Not nearly enough Australians did, or do now. Lawrence Hargrave is one of my favourite characters from Australian history, and I'll be doing a Forgotten Australia episode about him down the track. Briefly though, Lawrence Hargrave pioneered aerofoils that informed planes' wing designs. He invented the box kite that formed the basis for early planes, and he developed the rotary engine that had power aircraft until around 1920. And on the 12th of November, 1894, on a beach near Wollongong, Lawrence Hargrave used box kites to lift himself 16 feet into the air, establishing box kites as a stable platform for heavier-than-air flight. Alexander Graham Bell continued to enthuse about this man to the Telegraph reporter. Quote, The Hargrave box kite is famous everywhere, and it is on this simple contrivance that all flying machines are modelled. I hope to meet Mr Hargrave before I leave this country. Although he has never gone up in the air, his contributions to the science of aviation through papers read before the Royal Society and otherwise are of highest importance. It's not clear whether Alexander Graham Bell didn't know about Lawrence Hargrave's 1894 experiment or whether he was referring to Lawrence Hargrave having not succeeded in powered flight. Given how precise Alexander Graham Bell was in all things, the latter is most likely. What the Telegraph reporter really wanted to know about was the telephone. Alexander Graham Bell told him, quote, It seems almost like a dream that I had anything to do with the telephone. I have had so little to do with it these last 30 years. Alexander Graham Bell and his party stayed at Lennon's Hotel. That day, if he'd wanted to venture to nearby West Theatre, he would have been able to see a newsreel film showing Harry Houdini making that flight at Digger's Rest. We don't know if he did that, but we do know that he visited the Brisbane Telephone Exchange to see his invention in operation locally. A progressive fellow, he declared himself pleased that his invention had opened up employment for women. He'd say that in America, when exchanges had opened and were operated by men, they'd proved abrupt, inefficient and downright rude. Women were better at the work more likely to be helpful and patient, and their presence on the line caused men to watch their language when making calls. Alexander Graham Bell wrote a letter to the city's deputy postmaster that night to thank him for the tour of the exchange. It included this, I shall remember with great interest the two sides of the question of women's suffrage so ably presented to me in the exchange room. I am glad that I had something to do with the opening up of a new occupation for women. I do not think that any industry offers more opportunity for the advancement of women than the telephone industry. I wish I could obtain statistics relating to the number of women employed in telephone work. Alexander Graham Bell wanted to know about everything, as a journalist from Brisbane's Courier found when he met him on Sunday the 12th of June. For 90 minutes, this reporter was the one answering questions about, quote, trade unionism, Australian legislative systems, 
the effect of the women's franchise, and the success of the Tasmanian Proportional Representation Scheme and Elective Upper House. Alexander Graham Bell also wanted to know about Australian sewerage systems. On this at least, he'd already formed an opinion, and that was that Brisbane's sewerage system was so primitive, it was amazing there hadn't been an outbreak of serious disease. Alexander Graham Bell arrived in Sydney on Monday the 13th of June, and he'd stay in the city for about six weeks. While he was in town, he visited the telephone exchange, lavishing praise on its operators, and he was attended by the elite of New South Wales at several receptions held in his honour. The guest lists of these gatherings were published in the newspapers, and they included politicians, scientists, academics, and other leading men of technical fields. One name that didn't appear was Lawrence Hargrave. It doesn't seem that they met, at least until 110 years ago today, when, accompanied by Frederick Baldwin, Alexander Graham Bell went to Lawrence Hargrave's Wallara home. Lawrence Hargrave recorded the event in his journal simply with these words. July 25th, 1910, Dr. A. Graham Bell and Mr. Baldwin came. We talked flying for two hours. Sadly, there weren't any newspaper men there to record this meeting of the minds. But we can guess at some of what they might have said. Alexander Graham Bell was proud that his friend Mr. Baldwin had recently sold the first ever plane to the British Empire when he delivered a craft to the Canadian government. He no doubt also spoke of his own recent experiments with kites of the tetrahedral variety, though he had to profess he hadn't been able to get one into the air yet. Alexander Graham Bell was also firmly of the opinion that the correct word for flying machines was aerodrome rather than aeroplane because, he argued, they had no planes in the strictest sense of the word. As for Lawrence Hargrave, he was still designing and experimenting with kites and had also recently designed two full-sized aeroplanes. Lawrence Hargrave also might have set Alexander Graham Bell straight about that 1894 flight. Or he might have told him about surviving a shipwreck when he was younger, inventing shoes so he could walk on water, or his recent discovery of evidence that pointed to Spanish explorers having visited Sydney around 1595. Being a fly on the wall during those two hours would have been quite the thing. We do have one other record of that meeting, and it's a photo that was likely taken by Mr Baldwin. Google Lawrence Hargrave, Alexander Graham Bell, 1910 Malara, and your first hit will be the Museum of Applied Arts and Sciences website where you can see this image. The two men, both white-haired and bearded, wear collared shirts and ties with dark three-piece suits, and they stand in a backyard in front of a staircase. Unusually for this era, when stiff poses and stern expressions were the thing, these two giants of science are arm-in-arm arm and both bear amused expressions, which makes me think they must have had a great day together. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.